is on this episode, Ellie talks about building since 360, which he eventually sold to Medallia. When he started to first build out the company, he prioritized cold outreach. We all feel like cold outreach email, that can't still be working. Well, they took the data that they had and used that in the very first emails to show their prospects, look, if you work with us, this is the kind of data that you're going to get. They were specifically sharing benchmark data to the hospitality industry. For me, it's a big takeaway to prioritize value at the early steps. Never have that mindset of, oh, we don't want to give away too much before they become a customer. No, Ellie was like, we're going to give away as much as we possibly can. And that's going to build the trust so that they don't want to leave us. And of course, they're going to become a customer. Welcome to Zendesk for Startups Founder Podcast, where we interview top founders on all things customer, growth, retention, expansion. It's our goal to help you learn from the best by hearing exactly what they did. So you can apply those similar approaches to your seed and series A company. I'm your host, Adam O'Donnell, former founder in Silicon Valley VC. I currently manage VC and startup partnerships at Zendesk for Startups here in Silicon Valley. This podcast is put together by Zendesk for Startups. We offer six months free for qualified high growth startups. Check us out at Zendesk.com slash startups. Um, Ellie, welcome to the show. Appreciate Noah Glass at Olo for the introduction. First, tell us your company, quick story behind Since360 before the acquisition up to Medallia and maybe when it was founded. Absolutely. And it's great to be here. Thank you, Adam. So we started Since360 in 2014. And the basic idea around the company was that there is all this really interesting data that's that's kind of disjointed and, and hard for companies to use and um, really appreciate as they think about what they should build and how they should build it for their customers. And so what we did is we we wanted to go and get all of the data that we could in a privacy-friendly way and ultimately build dashboards for companies so that they could use this data in how they make decisions about how they serve their customers. What was the original product when you very first started? What we called a situational engine. Basically, it was a, a bit of code that an app developer could put into their application and that would gather the information from the phone so that the app could then send very targeted notifications based on what was happening with that person at at a given moment. So like the big example we used to give is that if someone was um, walking into a gym, Spotify would know that they went into a gym and could show a playlist for working out or someone was leaving an airport and Airbnb and um, Uber could show a notification asking if they needed a ride home. And so it was all about using all this data specifically to power notifications over time that morphed to use that data to build dashboards and, and tools so that the companies could better understand their consumers and better serve them. But initially it was all about trying to use the data to surface the right notifications. Olo talked about like originally they were doing it through text message and then they had to make the huge pivot to the app. So it definitely similar kind of concept in that. Um, but tell me about just the exit to Medallia. I mean, congrats on that. Like, just tell us kind of when it happened and maybe a decision around doing that before we go into the growth stories. The acquisition happened in September, 2020. Basic decision point for us was we were growing nicely. We were having, um, we were actually building a set of products that were specific to COVID that were working really well in the marketplace. And we felt really good about our future. But when Medallia came and discussed the possibility of working with them, what was really appealing to me was their their massive sales force and their big distribution. And so I thought there'd be a really big opportunity to accelerate the growth that we had. And the backdrop was that in when we started having these conversations in like July, August of that year, COVID was rearing its head in a very intense way and the markets were really down and it wasn't clear that there were financing opportunities. And so with the, the backdrop of just a world in, in trouble and this big opportunity to grow and accelerate our growth, um, it was an easy choice for us to, to join Medallia. 
before you raised all the 13 million, what was one of the most impactful strategies or tactics that you used to grow to the next level? This insight that every interaction we had with a prospect had to be valuable to that prospect. So I would get all these inbound emails, basically people saying like, hey, can I chat and tell you how I could do this or how I can potentially do that? And I was really busy. I never really had time to like take a leap of faith and see if they'd be helpful. And so what we did is we devised a, a basically an entire strategy around using our data so that every email, every meeting, every interaction was us sharing something with the with the prospect. So um, I remember in the early days, we basically created a benchmark where we said, based on our data, these are the restaurants that we see performing best and worst. And I took that benchmark and I emailed everyone who was performing well on that benchmark and said, here's you, you rank number seven. Um, here's some other in information that I think would be helpful as you try to climb to number six for next year. Would you like to set up a meeting so we can walk you through this data in more detail? It was never like, let me show you what we do, or let me sell you on, on our product. It was always, Hey, we've got some data. We're seeing some things that might be interesting. Can we share more of the data? And then we'd get into the meeting and we would share the data and we would ask them. We would always end not with a, you know, do you want to buy this? But what are some other things that we can show you? And then we'd go and do a POC for them and just answer their questions. And what we found was that the more valuable we were to them in the sale process, the more convinced they were that we would be even more valuable once they bought. And it was a fantastic sales strategy because almost... I had zero, our first market was restaurants and I had zero connections in the restaurant space. I did not know a single person. So absolutely every one of our early customers had to come through a cold channel. And that really forced us to develop this strategy. And it worked really well. Pretty much every customer has come through this channel for us. Help us with the actual mechanism that you're using. One of the, the examples that comes to mind is a very early client. It's a you know, top five restaurant chain in the country that I was trying to reach out to. And the way I reached out to them was exclusively email, not LinkedIn or any other channel. But in those emails, I was going into our data, I was finding interesting tidbits about their customers and I was emailing them. So the email would say something like, I looked at my data and I found that 23% of your customers are going to your competitors. Can I share more about this? And they wouldn't respond. And then I said, hey, I looked at your data and I found that 15% of your co competitors' customers are coming to you. And I have a feeling that with these seven other things that I found, you might be able to get more of them to come to you. And it was just like one email after another, trying to find very specific pieces of information from our data that would be valuable to them and just sending them by, via email over and over and over again until something would like hook them. And they'd say, actually, yes, can you send me more of that? And then that would be the beginning of the conversation. Those two examples, one's like negative phrasing, the other's positively framed. Which one of those was most impactful? When we talked about competitors, and the reason was whenever we talked about their customers, they, they got defensive about it. They, they didn't love that I was telling them something about their customers. It felt like I thought I knew more, which I obviously didn't and I didn't think, but it came across that way. And so when I would say something about like, we're, we noticed that Burger King is doing really well here and there, like that was really interesting to them versus me saying something specific about them. And whenever I could do it in a way that was positive, we're noticing that they are trending higher than you on this dimension that also got their attention because it got their competitive juices flowing. When we first started, you're sharing like add value to your competitor or to your prospect in the sales process, which just seems like, oh, cool. 
I'll just add value. But what you're saying is that like, even in the adding value, you had to really A-B test that. Yeah, it required a ton of A-B testing and uh, just a lot of experimentation. And the other thing that was really interesting for me is like, we had this internal tension around how much of our data do we want to share in the pre-sale process and how much do we want to hold back and obfuscate so that they have more reason to sign up. And what we ended up finding is that the more we were able to share, the more value we created during that prospecting cycle, the more likely they were to become customers. And it was never an issue about like, well, I've gotten the milk already. I don't need to buy the cow because data specifically, but I think most products in general, like if all the value can be presented in a five minute prospecting call, then there's not really a product there. And so we had to get really comfortable with the fact that we were going to be extremely comfortable sharing and giving away pretty much everything during that process with the sort of leap of faith belief that there is so much value in the product that they'd still want it and they'd always find uses for it. Can you tell us some of the tools that you were using or a particular tool that worked well for that? Very early stages, I was just sending out the emails manually. And that was because I wanted to be really, really close to the person I was emailing. And I want to be very careful about what I was sending out and learning every lesson. And then eventually we graduated to reply all and that automated it quite a bit for us. How are you getting the right emails? That was a very manual process that we, we probably didn't do as efficiently as we could have. And it mostly revolved around looking on LinkedIn and trying to like figure out the, the, the email conventions at the different companies and some experimentation. I think we could have been a lot more sophisticated about it, but we were going after big enterprises and there weren't that many in our initial market. We were, it was all restaurants. So there were maybe 50 or hundred chains that we were trying to get to. And it was okay spending a bunch more time on each one to make sure we, we did it right. Did you have any expansion strategies that worked pretty well? Initially, we were getting them hooked on the idea that we had the data. And then as we started to get customers, we were able to see how they were using our data and what, what they were using it for. And we started to build very specific dashboards that would answer each of the main questions they had. And those each became upsell opportunities because if we found that, for instance, one good example is restaurants kept asking us, is this promotion or this limited time offer that I'm spending a ton of money on, is it working? And initially we would use the data and manually try to answer that question. And over time, we started to build dashboards that could answer that question very specifically in real time with a lot less latency and just you know a lot less cost. And then we started to sell that. And then we started to build other similar dashboards. And eventually we now have a suite of, of dashboards and a suite of products rather than just data. And each of those expansions created opportunity for us to upsell. But it wasn't like we had a clear upsell when we first started because we had one basic product. We just knew that over time we'd build more and we'd be able to grow our contract sizes. Was there any specific approach used with like a customer success manager in terms of letting that customer know that, hey, we have these other things as well? Was it was it in-product messaging that you use or was it more email to kind of begin that conversation? Initially, it was very organic where our customers were asking us for these things. And so as soon as we had them, we came back to them and let them know. But because we're dealing with such large enterprises, there's a very heavy customer success component to our business. And so most of the time when we're talking about expansion, it's happening um, via the customer success person rather than in product messaging. I'm hopeful that over time, as we continue to build out the product and we bring on and onboard more SMBs and medium-sized businesses, that there, there will be more of a product-oriented expansion strategy. But for right now, it's less so. Ellie, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. It's really fun to 
Good to talk to you, Adam. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. Ellie and his team built a solid business without reinventing the wheel and go to market. They just did it better. If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe. Coming up next week, I speak with Socrates, the founder and CEO of Jane Technologies. They've raised over $127 million since their founding in 2015. They're a cannabis retail tech company. Socrates shares that hockey stick moment during COVID and how the preparation around organizing the industry with UPC codes made all the difference. They focused on the base. They prioritized the things that weren't sexy. And then when that hockey sick moment came from external things that they were outside of their control, they were ready. Shout out to Doug Erickson with Santa Cruz Works for the intro. Finally, shout out to our friends at Deal. They're a global hiring platform that makes it easy to hire anyone in a new country in just minutes.